Binge the full week of The Ray Taylor Show ad-free over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. This is The Ray Taylor Show. Midnight Mass, book one, Genesis. This is the show where I will be breaking down every episode of the limited Netflix series Midnight Mass. I have never watched this series. This will be, I will be recapping each episode after having watched it for the very first time. Uh, I do have an idea. I've heard things about this show, but I will try not to spoil anything I have. Uh, But for the most part, I don't know what's going to happen. So... Is going to be fresh for me as it is for you. Uh, assuming you haven't watched this, I would assume you've w- at least watched the episode. Uh, I wouldn't recommend watching this ep- this show uh, of me breaking it down if you haven't watched the episode because I will be spoiling this episode. I don't know what happens in the rest of the series, but I know what happens in this episode, and I'm going to be spoiling it. So with that said, with that warning out there, let's get into it. This is a show, limited series, seven episodes. Uh, So this will be a seven-episode show of the Ray Taylor Show doing the unofficial recap of Midnight Mass. Uh, And Midnight Mass, the show, let me read the little tagline here on IMDb. An isolated island community experiences miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. Uh, This is a creator is Mike Flanagan, Uh, the star of this, one of the stars of this uh, show is uh, Zach Guilford, which is from Friday Night Lights, a show that I absolutely, one of my favorite shows, Uh, and uh, it's great to see him here as Riley Flynn, Uh, but there are a lot of other actors involved in this show, but he is, I believe, the biggest star of it, Uh, and um So, yeah, let's get into this episode. Like I said, I'm going to talk about beat for beat, go through it and talk about and dissect and whatever, whatever. uh, And then I'll have a little comments at the end. But overall, I did enjoy this first episode. This episode does a lot of setting up. There's not a lot of it doesn't really feel like the rubber necessarily hits the road yet, but it is setting up a lot of interesting things. Things are clearly not as they seem. Uh, there are some mysteries that are starting to manifest, uh, some questions, uh, some strange things happen at the end of this episode. Uh, but let's get into it. This episode starts with our our lead, Riley, uh, ha- getting in a DUI, getting in a car accident, uh, and uh, as he's being tended to by the medics sitting on the curb. Uh, we see that there's a a kid was uh, a a victim of this car accident. And uh, we see our lead, Riley, giving a little prayer. Ask him why he always takes the kids. Or the drunk folks walk away with scratches. Now, another aspect of the show, obviously Midnight Mass, that it definitely has major religious tones to it. There's definitely a major aspect of this show is the Catholic religion, which I myself, before we get into this even even farther, uh, I myself, for a, a big chunk of my childhood, 
uh, was very active in the Lutheran Church, which isn't quite Catholic, uh, but also not quite as, you know, relaxed as most conservative churches are. So there are a lot of aspects to the show, a lot of the theatrics of going to Mass, about going to the service uh, with you know, the, the robes and the candles and the order of things and the rituals of things that, that I participated in as an acolyte, as like an altar boy kind of a person growing up. So there are aspects of that, but I am very similar in a lot of ways to Riley, who is someone that uh, is, is lost my faith. Like, I don't, I don't, we obviously had different paths to getting to that realization, but that is where I'm coming from. I am. I would consider myself to be an atheist, maybe an agnostic. Not, I, I, you know. I just. I. I don't believe organized religion is the uh, is the answer uh, to to things, and uh, I think it's generally used to control people, which may be an aspect of this this show as well. Uh, but not only Catholicism is the only religion represented in this. There are characters that are also Muslim. Um, but with that said, just wanted to give that caveat because there is a lot of religious aspects to this show. Um, but our character, obviously, Riley, saying Lord's Prayer, you know, giving, getting a little bit of reality, a dose of reality from the EMT. Um, and uh, you see the, the victim, the dead girl, laying in the street, glass just soaked in blood. You see the shine of the cop lights, the, the red and blue police car lights flashing off of the glass in her blood. And, uh, you know, very powerful type of an image. And also, visually, this show does a, f a lot of things because our, our lead character sees this image when he goes to sleep. And it's always in a cross type of a way. In uh, this one, he is viewed as up and down as vertical and of course she being dead being horizontal uh and as he goes to sleep which we see he goes to court he takes his punishment ends up in prison he gets a care package from his mom it's got a letter a bunch of pictures of him and his friends and family and, and girlfriend and uh, a bible with an inscription from his mom but the lord was with joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Genesis 39, 21. So, you know, still her mo his mom trying to comfort him while she's in prison. And also, you know, Christianity, very popular, popular activity for people who are in prison to discover and find comfort in. And I understand people finding comfort in those things, in religion, in any religion really. But, you know, for, for Riley... It's something that we find out later on this episode that's not necessarily he went the other way. Uh, but we see all of this stuff as he's in prison. The picture, the Bible, the letter, he goes to lay down. And again, as he lays down, we see the camera aspect ratio change. So he is vertical again, even though he's laying down. And then we, he cuts to the vision of this girl dead girl still the blue and red flashing lights he sees that as he goes to sleep now cut to four years later 
We are at Crockett Island, population 127. That is insane. Like, even for small towns, that is small. That is like a village, for sure, and on an island. You want to talk about two types of people that are, are very detached from the rest of the world. People from very small villages and people from islands. Uh, and this is a, a twofer. You got, you got a very small population on this Crockett Island. Uh, you have uh, Riley's parents. We're at his parents' house. They're talking to him on the phone. Uh, we see that his dad isn't really into talking to him. Uh, clearly has his opinions of what's gone on. Maybe not uh, as excited as his mom clearly is. We see that he has a little brother who's going out to go play. Uh, and he's warned by his mom uh, not to go to the uppers. Uh, because the Miss Keen has has told him about all of the thing those kids are up to at the Uppards. Uh, we see the dad avoiding getting on the call with with his son, and then we see uh, his little brother Warren riding on his bike, and we get views of all the different parts of the town. This old fishing town that exists on this island, as he's riding his bike, and he rides past the Catholic church. We see the sign, St. Patrick's Catholic Church, uh, which was established in 1824, uh, and it has a welcome back message for Monsignor Pruitt. And you can tell the kind of income this church has by the missing letters that are replaced by numbers. Uh, a lot of the A's are replaced by fours. One of the I's in Pruitt is replaced with a one. Uh, so it's clear that they're not getting a whole lot of donations in the... Uh, donation plate on Sundays. I mean, the population, pretty small. Uh, and it doesn't seem like uh, investing in letters for their sign is, is on high priority. Uh, but cut to Warren showing up to the docks where he meets his friend Uker, which is a fun name. Uh, but yeah, he meets his friend Uker at the ferry. Uh, and then a third friend, clearly like a, a, maybe a newer newer addition to their friends uh ali who uker refers to as aladdin of course he's a brown kid uh so one of the many times in this episode there is like a tinge of racism a tinge of racism uh calling him aladdin uh but they're to meet up with a guy that's showing up on the ferry uh named bowl who they're gonna get weed from and uh uker is very suspicious of ali uh, and uh, or Ali and uh, thinks that he's going to rat on him. We find out that his dad is the sheriff, uh, and uh, it's uh, you know he's he basically has to say fuck my dad, you know like I'm not going to tell on you. Fuck my dad. I know he's the sheriff, but fuck him. I got you. I'm not going to rat on you. As they ride back into town. Uh, they pass by a house where uh, a girl in a wheelchair named Lisa is reading a book, uh, and they all stop to say hi. Uker, like, they invite her to go to the Uppards to go smoke with him, and he flashes the weed. And Ali's like, oh, you're worried about me ratting on you, and here you are just flashing this really small bag of weed. Like, it is a maybe a half-eighth of weed in this tiny little bag ridiculously small uh but anyway obviously uh ali points that out cut to 
we have uh, just like this top-down view of uh, like a room, and we see a guy dragging a giant chest into this room. And we saw that giant chest coming off of the ferry uh, earlier, kind of just in the background. Uh, but now that chest is being drugged into a room, this giant chest uh, by this guy. And the guy sitting by the chest as he drags it in kind of gives two, two bangs on the top of the chest. And then you hear two more bangs from inside the chest. Now we see the kids, they get in a canoe, and they are canoeing to the uppers. It is dark now. It is nighttime now. And they are canoeing to the uppers, and it's their secret spot. It's their secret spot. They get there, uh, and they walk through all these bushes. I don't know if this is just part of the island. I think it's part of the island, and it's just easier to get there via canoe. But as they're walking to their spot on this place in the uppers, uh, there's a bunch of bushes on either side of the path and you see these glowing cat eyes and they have this, this, which is scary, <laughs> you know, like if you, if you had never been there and you're walking through this dark path through the bushes and you see these glowing eyes everywhere, it looks very creepy. Uh, but they have theories on why the cats are there. My dad says they're all from the mainland. Yeah, technically they have to be. I mean, I don't know when people brought cats up here, but they definitely brought more than one. Can't believe there's enough for them to eat up here. Well, we know what they're eating. When people actually lived up here, they just bury their dead in their yards up until the 20s, my dad says. Now, sometimes there's a storm and it floods and those bodies just pop up right out the ground. Cat food. You know, those bodies are hundreds of years old and just bones. And when it storms, they wash up on the West Bank by my house. And I know because everything from the Uppards washes up on the West Bank. And I got to clean it up, moron. So we find out a lot of things in that little statement. Obviously, uh, the cats were brought there from the mainland. Obviously, cats aren't like an indigenous species to an island. Um, and we, we also know that uh, bodies were buried there. People used to live on in the uppers. Uh, and every time it storms, everything washes up. All the dead bodies wash up uh, right next to Warren's house on the West Bank. Uh, cut to, we see them all hanging out, you know, around a fire, smoking weed, drinking beer, doing what kids do. We find out Warren has a crush on Lisa. His buddy calls her... The same dude that calls Ali Aladdin, calls her Roller Girl, um, which Uger seems like a great dude. Just a stand-up stand up dude. And uh, so we find out Warren has a, a crush on her. We also find out that the this place at the Uppards was the same place their older brothers used to go for their hangout. Um, and there's always a place like that. For me, around where I grew up, there, I grew up in a desert, but there's a lot of tamarisk trees. And anytime you'd go into the tamarisk trees, you would see like empty Mickey's bottles. It's where you would find porn. Like that's where you would find all the older kids. That's where they would run off to to do their debau debaucherous uh, thing. So this is they go to the uppers, which is a little bit more extensive. They take a canoe there. It's like it's it's a whole thing. 
to get away from everybody. But it's clearly a very religious town. So it would make sense that they would want to hide it from everybody as their older brothers did. And their brothers, in an attempt to scare their younger brothers from following them, they would obviously come up with these ghost stories about Harpoon Harry uh, and how, you know, to get them scared, even though one of them eventually followed them and they, you know, that's how they knew. Um, and then Warren thinks he sees something. Thinks he sees something in the bush. Nothing's there. But just these little hints of like, okay, this is creepy. What's going on here? Let's take a little break from the Ray Taylor Show to promote my live art streams. That's right. I am an artist as well as a podcaster. And I paint live every Thursday at 420 Pacific Time. Head on over, the best place ever for streaming, youtube.com slash inspired disorder. That's right, every Thursday at 420, you can watch me paint the many faces. Every week, I paint seven new faces of abstract portraits, ink on paper, and you can watch that happen. You can hang out with me while I listen to a classic episode from one of my favorite podcasts. Head on over to youtube.com slash inspired disorder and check it out. Say hi. Let's hang out. Let's have some fun. Let's paint some faces. Now let's get back to the show. Cut to it's the next day. Uh, the Bay Breeze ferry is coming in, which Riley is on the, the, the ferry. Only his mom shows up. So his brother, his little brother, and his dad are out fishing. Uh, and then uh, we also see Miss Keene show up. And uh, she is there to pick up uh, Monsignor Pruitt. Uh, but he's a no-show. And she's, are you sure? Like, you, you definitely get to see the type of person uh, Miss Keene is. Like, she is, she is in many ways a Karen. And uh, very uptight very like if she's she's like never wrong everybody else is wrong never her no this was the time are you sure and it's clear it's not like a large crowd of people is coming off this ferry the ferry captain even mentions that sarcastically telling her but that we see what type of person miss keen is and we see uh pruitt is not on the ship or not on the ferry Cut to uh, Aaron, which is the woman that was in the pictures that Riley had in prison. Uh, she is now pregnant. She's at a doctor's appointment. We find out she's 20 weeks pregnant. Uh, she calls the baby Littlefoot. I mean, they see doing the ultrasound. They see the foot, and she calls the baby Littlefoot. She mentions, refers to the baby as Littlefoot uh, later on. We also see that the doctor's mom, his name is Mrs. Grunning, old lady, clearly has some form of dementia. And this is the moment that I didn't notice before, despite seeing Riley's parents. This is the moment where it's very obvious that there are characters wearing old people makeup, old age makeup. And it is obvious. That is one of, I mean, also a mystery why some characters... Like, why they didn't just cast some characters as older people. But it is very clear that there are characters in this story that are wearing old age makeup that 
you know, it, it's, it, it looks good, but, I mean, it's clear that they're, they're young people. Like, it, they're not pulling it off. The actors and the makeup together are not enough to pull off that they, I'm, I don't believe that that is an old lady. But whatever. It is, it's the first time so far that it's very noticeable. And you see it later on in this episode as well that there's other characters. Like now that you know that there are people that are wearing old age makeup, it's even more noticeable. And I'm not watching on like some giant screen. You know, I'm watching on a regular, you know, HD TV, whatever. But it's it's definitely noticeable. Uh, but her mom, she's got she's got uh, she's confused. But it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. So anyway, she deals with her mom. Cut to uh, Riley and his mom walking back from the ferry, walking home from the ferry. They pass by the sheriff who's outside um, and uh, petting a dog. And apparently his mom works for the sheriff or she works at the grocery store because the sheriff's office is in the back of a grocery store, like literally like an office room. He walks through the grocery store, and the back is an office that says sheriff's office. And then he opens the door, and there's a guy, Joe, who's in one of the cells, and probably the only cell that's there, uh, and basically sleeping off uh, being drunk the night before. And the sheriff tells him that uh, he was trying to break in because he w he saw a giant albatross that he was trying to run away from. Which, while the kids were at the uppers, one of them saw something fly over and mentioned that it looked like a giant albatross as well. So another little little seed of like mystery that's going on, that's connected. Uh, but Joe was there trying to get in, saw the giant albatross. So the, the sheriff let him in to sleep it off. He doesn't even remember that happening. And uh, as they go outside, he lets Joe out. And as the sheriff and Joe walk outside, Miss Keene is there, also walking back from the ferry. And she's arguing, as Karens do, accusing the dog, this sweet dog that's sitting on the porch, accusing this dog of snapping at her. And it's Joe's dog who's just waiting for Joe to get out of the drunk tank. And he's like, no, she's probably just excited to see you. The dog doesn't seem vicious. But, of course, Miss Keene, got to be the victim. Ah, I'm the victim. I was, I was almost attacked by this vicious dog. Right? Just like at the beginning of the pandemic, all those white women calling the police like, oh, I'm being attacked while they're being filmed and they're choking out their dogs like there's so many karen videos that are that just embody miss keen so she's complaining about the dog obviously the dog did nothing whatever whatever cut back to riley and his mom walking uh and she's talking about these empty houses oh the millers left it's like people are leaving they're not even trying to sell their houses anymore so the population's going down in this on this island that's already got a very low population to begin with they get to the house and riley sees that his room his dad has started using it as kind of like the storage place there's a bunch of storage boxes in there 
and he mentions how his dad was a no-show showing up and she's like well it's she's trying to give like oh it's the silver lining oh it's a good thing he's treating you like it's normal like you're back at home and everything's normal and plus fishing she gets into this whole thing about how there was a spill there was an oil spill three years ago and she's complaining about the environmentalists that are uh, trying to increase the population of fish and in doing that they're trying to limit how much they can fish so she's saying as another reason why the dad didn't show up is because there's only certain times that they can fish and and she's like why are the environmentalists like attacking us why are they keeping us from doing this and not going after the oil companies which is like like duh like duh it's the oil like don't be mad the environmentalists clearly are trying to do the same thing and she she also compares the she's like if you want to increase population why don't they increase the population of this island because this island is disappearing as well which is an interesting little clue i think because it's the second time it's mentioned and the weird comparison of which i'll get back to later on there's other comparisons that are made with the population of this island and products that are eaten um but she's mad it's like why of course why aren't you mad at the the oil companies why aren't you just attacking the oil companies for spilling in the first place why are you angry at the environmentalists who are trying to increase the population of fish which you rely on to make a living if you outfit if you overfish and remove the population of fish then you're not going to have a career at all so it's important to let those populations grow again and maybe you should be more concerned with the oil companies that are allowing that are funding the government to to eliminate any restrictions and these these oil companies that constantly pollute and destroy the environment of this planet willy-nilly why aren't you angry at at changing the government to make sure that these corporations don't have don't you aren't able to use the government as their own puppets but instead she's angry at the environmentalists so you kind of get a little taste of her politics which makes sense considering the island's very religious those things for some reason tend to go hand in hand and she mentions that the island used to be in the hundreds so they're used to now it's 127 now it's in the dozens she says so there there must have been like multiple hundreds of people maybe 300 maybe the maybe the population is down like half of what it used to be maybe even more who knows So now we are cut to the school where Sheriff Hassan, we find out his name, is there. It's his first storm, and he is there to kind of go over and educate himself on what the island does to prepare for a storm. Um, we, you know, kind of going over the procedures of what needs to be done, cutting off the fuel lines. Uh, make sure the electricity is turned off at certain areas, wherever, uh, and finding out where people are going to shelter. He starts to recommend people shelter at the school. And Ms. Keene, who is at this meeting, s chimes in and says that, no, 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 
St. Patrick's is where we always set up cots. It's what we've always done. And she also mentions that the rectory is twice the size now. Which the sheriff points out that that doesn't really... Like, t- having it twice the size doesn't... Isn't necessarily... It's, it, it's just like it's a weird thing to bring up because it's not necessarily mean anything. Especially since the population is dwindling. Like, we have a church that is more more worried about increasing the size of the rectory than they in, in, a, in an area where the population is dwindling than they are at replacing missing letters for their sign. So what they spend their money on, they're, they're really hoping for bigger congregations. Like, that is the thing that's going to have more money coming in, is having a bigger rectory. But she also mentions that, like, how, you know, like, oh, well, you know, you could go to the mainland and go to a mosque, but you'd be welcome with us. Like, it's just another little, little, little dusting of racism, little subtle racism that he is Muslim. And, uh, you know, not and like the only Muslim, him and his son are the only Muslims on this island uh, that is primarily Catholic. Cut to, we are at dinner with Riley and his family, and this is another moment where I am noticing the old age makeup. Uh, and uh, Riley says that he's got to go to the mainland once a week for AA meetings as part of his parole. Uh, and uh, he finds out that uh, Aaron is now uh, a teacher. Not only is she back in town, but she has taken over her mom passed away who was a teacher previous and now she took over her mom's job as being a teacher we also find out that she's pregnant or he finds out that she's pregnant we already know this um and uh we find out that she she is back from having run away she ran away from the island a while back and now she is back. She's pregnant. They mentioned that, like, oh, well, she's, we know what she was doing. Like, the Warren mentions, like, oh, we know what she was doing not that long ago. Clearly having sex, whatever. Uh, and uh, her, his mom mentions that she sits in the same seat that her mom did at the church. Which is already, like, she is stepping into her mom's shoes in every way, it seems like. She's doing the same job her mom did. Uh, she's sitting in the same seat at the church that her mom did. It's just interesting stuff. Um, and then Riley mentions that he is not planning on going to church. And, of course, that brings a whole, whole kerfuffle in the whole uh, thing. And they mention that uh, Monsignor Pruitt is on a uh, a mission to the Holy Land to walk in the same footsteps that Jesus walked. And Warren is talking about how the 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 changes that have happened at Monsignor. Like maybe he shouldn't be traveling. Monsignor Pruitt said before he went on pilgrimage, he said. He's a little old to be traveling. I mean, he's going to be eighty now. Well, the whole congregation pitched in. Two weeks in the Holy Land. Jesus. Well, he spent his whole life on the island. 
a chance to walk in Jesus's footsteps and his actual footsteps. Oh, well, we thought he deserved that before he. Prayed. I'm surprised they let him go, though. I mean, considering his health. You should be so lucky to be as fit as him at his age. He's losing it. He held up the host three times during consecration the other day. I felt ridiculous from ringing the bells. Well, we all have our moments. People have been seeing him wandering around at night, like late at night, like midnight at the the marina, the docks, the general store. Did you see him, Warren? Do you know it was him? No, I'm sure it was just some other 80-year-old man wearing a fedora and the long coat he always wears. Even if he was getting a little bit scattered. He belongs here on the island with us, not in some home put out to pasture by the archdiocese. Who knows who they'd send in his place? So then his dad, Riley's dad, says that he has to go to church as part of his parole. Like, his dad is laying down the law that as part of his parole, if you're going to stay in my house... You're going to go to church with us. So that that's settled, at least, I guess. Uh, cut to uh, Miss Keene walking by the church and sees that somebody is there. She, she goes inside. She has keys to go inside. Uh, and she's, you know, things are kind of strewn about, like bags and things. She's kind of like picking up as she's talking, thinking that uh, Pruitt is there. But he's not. She's surprised by somebody else. And then cut to uh, the upwards where we see a cat kind of and a dead cat. And we see the live cat kind of snatched up and killed. Uh, and it's nighttime. It's nighttime. We pull back. We see the entire island. But only a, a small part of the island is actually lit up. So we see how much of this small island is even being used by the people that actually live there. Which is kind of just an interesting shot, but also giving context to, you know, what the island may have looked like when everybody was there at the peak. Instead of uh, with 127 people living there. Cut to Riley's dad coming to his room after dinner and telling him that his mom went to the church every day while he was in prison to pray for him. And that's why he is, you know, not really happy with the fact that he is just kind of uh, disregarding the church. And he tells his son, it's like, I need you to go, but because of this, because of your beliefs, and you probably haven't been to, to uh, confession, uh, I want you to sit back and not take communion. And then they have like this kind of awkward goodnight which is uh, interesting. Obviously, there's, there's a rift between them, the two of them. I mean, he's not happy with what, what his son did, drinking and driving, killing somebody, going to prison. Who knows how much of that specifically is, is why he's acting the way he does. Uh, cut to Ali and his dad uh, praying. And going before bed, uh, we see that uh, his dad tells him to kiss, kiss his mom goodnight. And he picks up a picture and gives her a kiss. So we are to believe that his mom is, has passed away. Right? So it's just the, the dad and the kid. And dad's telling him not to text. Which, assumingly, he's, t he's texting Warren because cut to Riley looking out the window of his house. And he sees Warren climbing out of his window, sneaking out at night. So I would assume maybe Ali is, it was talking to Warren. Uh, and who knows where Warren is going. Uh, but they wave. Like they, he recognized, like, oh, his brother sees him. 
Uh, and then Riley lays down again, and we see the dead girl again in the same way. Like, Riley lays down, the camera tilts, and you have Riley up and down, and we have the girl as the cross. Lights shining off of the glass that's impaled in her head. And he starts to dream. Get images of him in a rowboat. We also get images of a church with candles lit. Kind of the only aspects of the dream that we see. Uh, but that's what we see while he dreams. Let's take a little break from the show to promote the many faces. That's right, I am also an artist. I do ink paintings on paper of abstract faces. A new face, a new painting gets released every single day over at InspiredDisorder.com. So head on over to my website to purchase original artwork directly from the artist. Also, there are prints available for select images. Head on over to InspiredDisorder.com, buy original art, buy prints if that's your jam if you want eight by ten prints on high quality paper also if you're looking to wear some art there are shirts available with original artwork by myself select faces from the many faces are also available in t-shirt form you go to inspiredisorder.com you buy original artwork you buy prints you buy shirts you're supporting an artist directly and if you're the type of person that likes to invest in nfts there are also nfts available for select faces go to inspiredisorder.com now and now let's get back to the show cut to shots of the next morning that's just like gorgeous these shots of the sky that are just so red and like they, they they look like a sunset almost uh but these beautiful shots of the sky and we see warren and his dad on the boat. Red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky in the morning, sailor take warning. That's right. Which maybe the red sky is a sign that there is going to be a storm. Obviously, they have been prepping for a storm, uh, and uh, it's maybe that's what signifies the weather changing, having a red sky. Also, just a red sky in general, the color red is indicative of things to come maybe uh but uh cut to pre-church warren is now at the church it is sunday obviously so before church he was out fishing with his dad and sunday he's he goes to the church where it's him and uger they're doing their preparation uh and there's another person they turn around somebody goes into where they're prepping and uh they see they're surprised by seeing somebody as well cut to the church service where miss keen is up up on the the at the podium the pulpit uh and she says the seventh sunday of ordinary time which i don't remember that as a term in uh lutheran belief uh but maybe in the catholic church there are designated times of the season that are ordinary times but is the seventh Sunday in ordinary times. Uh, and then we see the congregation start to react. Like we have all the altar boys coming up with like the candles and all the kind of stuff. And the priest following behind them as they're singing a song, singing a hymn. And everybody's reacting to this new priest. This new priest, Father Paul Hill, introduces himself. We find out that Pruitt was sick and is at a hospital on the mainland where he could be better treated. 
and that he will be taking over temporarily. And then we go through all the rituals of the Catholic religion, which is crazy. <laughs> just watching the rituals is, it's just, it's just wild to me. But we see all of it, the bells ringing, the standing up, sitting down, him doing the, the prayers of the sacrament, the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. Take this and know that this is the blood of your Lord Christ. Uh, this is the body of, <laughs> like, you are eating the blood, eating the flesh and drinking the blood of a guy that died, killed himself so his dad would allow you all in heaven. It is a wacky religion. <laughs> if you take a step back and view it from the outside looking in, it is a wacky thing to eat bread and drink wine uh, as representation of cannibalism of uh your lord and savior um and they're all wearing robes it's all very gaudy all very it's just it's ritualistic in every way uh cut to after the service the priest is out front greeting everybody as they come through which is that's definitely common saying hello obviously he's also introducing himself to everybody uh and uh one of the couples we see are the uh, is uh, Lisa's family. Such a pleasure to oh, meet you. Of course, Mr. Mayor, Mrs. Mayor. I am so sorry to surprise you like this. The diocese was supposed to contact oh, you directly. Please call me Wade. Golly, it's such a joy to see a new face. Welcome to the pot. What's left of it anyway? The crock pot. Yeah, well, it's a cute nickname, yeah, but you know, it's true. We are a melting pot, a grab bag. A pinata, even. <laughs> A whole variety of different flavors that just keeps getting pummeled with some huge awful stick. <laughs> we sure are glad to add you to the stew. Right. This, like the, the comparisons of the population of this island calling them a crock pot instead of just a melting pot, which is kind of the common nomenclature, right, which isn't an edible dish. Uh, even calling it a piñata, which is another container full of edible things on one hand it seems like calling it those things a pinata or a crock pot that they are talking about the diversity of the island which is not a very diverse island of course the wife is black the child is mixed you have a one brown kid with ali and his dad who are muslim so it is a very the smallest of definitions of a diverse population. I mean, that's not even 1% of the population, really. Uh, I mean, uh, maybe almost 1%. I guess three people of color on an island of 127 people. I mean, that's cutting it really close with 1% of the population being non-white. But it doesn't necessarily feel like that's specifically what they're talking about and even with riley's mom comparing the population of fish to the population of the island and how the populations are dwindling like all of those things seem very related very interesting anyway seems like they are specifically written in that way uh for potentially what's coming in future episodes and then we see riley's family come out and the priest finds out that Riley's no longer religious and that, you know, the priest is like, uh, well, that's those are the people Jesus loved. 
And uh, those are the people that he considered friends, the people that were not in the, the embrace of the Lord Almighty, the people that were straying from the herd, as it were. Uh, which, you know, it's always different coming out of, like, the way priests and pastors are able to communicate that idea is always so different from what you see actual Christians do, right? That actual Christians, like what we're seeing in America, like those people aren't trying to be friends with people that aren't religious in their way. They are literally enemies. Like Christians are literally treating everybody that's not them as the enemy, as the devil. Which, you know, this priest is like, you know, is definitely more in line with the actual teachings of Jesus rather than Christian nationalists in America where everybody that's not a white Christian male, straight white Christian male, is on some level the devil, doing the devil's work. They are the enemy. So anyway, being, you know, accepting, because he noticed that Riley didn't take communion and his dad mentioned the thing he's like oh well he's not really into it uh but his dad dug the fact that he apparently uh used an older translation of one of the stories and he appreciated that um which is interesting especially i just recently did an episode recap episode by episode recap of the show severance where the the company handbook of lumen was very much the bible of that 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 show and there were old translations and new translations in that for anybody that's coming to this show after watching or listening to that show. It's an interesting parallel again for that show and how that was treated as a religion. But anyway, they all meet the pastor. And then Aaron and Riley decide to walk, walk home, catch up. Obviously, they were longtime friends. There was the picture, one of the pictures that he got while he was in prison was him as a younger person and Aaron as a younger person. Clearly friends, maybe more. He asked why she ran away, where she went. He said she was up in upstate New York, but that's not where she started. She went south and went west, and she ended up in Austin uh, in a band or hanging out with a band. Um, and they mentioned how, you know, they're both back somehow managed to end up back where they started the place where they they vowed they would never be which is common for most people that leave a small town meet leave their hometown it's very common to vow to have never go back so in my life that's definitely not only something that i never thought i would come back to the valley but is literally something because life is crazy and sometimes that's just where you end back up because you have people, you have a connection, you, you have friends, you have family that are still there. Uh, but anyway, they're going on this walk. They're catching up. And Riley mentions that uh, on his first night in prison, he trashed the Bible. He like That was the first thing he did when he, when he got to prison. Uh, and he was looking for something, and he tried looking for God and everything. He read all of the religious texts, the Quran, the... The Bhagavad Gita, I don't know if that was one of them, but he read all of the different religious texts uh, looking for God and uh, ended up an atheist. Which, to step back, uh, there's a movie that I recently watched and reviewed called PK. It's an Indian film uh, from India. 
and it's a great movie about an alien that can't, comes to Amer- comes to Earth, I should say. It doesn't come to America, it comes to India. But he comes to Earth and uh, is part of the movie, a big part of the movie, is him trying to find God as well and find God in all the religions. It's a very interesting exploration of humans and religion and a great movie. It's all a comedy as well, but it's a, a movie that really tackles that type of ideal and those types of subjects. Uh, so I'd recommend it, PK. But anyway, so Riley lost his faith in all gods. He is a, an atheist. And uh, he was, they, they mentioned how, you know, she was the, the, uh, the bad girl. She was the bad seed growing up, and now she's changed, and she goes to church. And how Riley was the, the altar boy, and now he is the atheist. How how differently both of their roles have changed over time. And uh, she mentions again her baby as Littlefoot, and she says, Littlefoot changed my life, which the fact that she calls the baby Littlefoot I think means something. And then also the term she uses that, I mean, I, I can see a lot of people saying like, oh, I had a baby and it changed my life. Probably changed the way she was living maybe. But also, it feels like maybe it's something more. Like, maybe that baby did more than just change her outlook on life and change her choices in life. Like, maybe that, that statement means more than just uh, what it, it, it implies on the face. Uh, cut to Miss Keene after church. She goes in and sees the Paul Hill in there, and she asks if uh, he needs anything. She mentions that... He's wearing a gold uh, chasuble, which is the robe that he is wearing uh, on top of everything. Uh, and it is a gold robe, which she, she reminds him that they are in the ordinary times. That the gold robe is meant for a feast or special. She kind of stops herself and says that, like, we're in the ordinary times. You should be wearing green. Uh, and uh, Paul Hill... Paul, Father Paul, Father Hill, I should say, uh, says that he couldn't find the green one, and then he figured the gold one would be good enough, and he didn't think anybody would notice. She offers uh, to buy him new ones if he wants. He's like, no, I'll, I'll keep looking. I just didn't get enough time to look. I will open more cupboards. And, uh, you know, just another another aspect of Miss Keen where it's like she's – it's if it's not exactly how she wants things, it's all wrong. It's her way or the highway. How dare this new guy come in and not even wear the right chasuble? Oh, she's she's like in a lot of ways the representation of what a lot of Christians are like out in the wild. Like they are the reason why a lot of people aren't religious. They're the reasons why a lot of people are just kind of tired of having their religion pushed on you constantly because it's like they are just the most annoying types of people. And that, that's represented in Miss Keen in a lot of ways. Uh, cut back to Aaron and Riley walking and how weird it is being back. He asks if it's weird how he's like being back with your mom gone. You know, he's t- she's taking over her job and, and you know, back in the house with, you know, her mom's not there. And she changes the subject 
and uh, asks Riley if it's weird that, you know, he's back at home himself and he's in his little room with a small bed and he makes a joke how he's used to that, obviously being in prison. Um, and then he asks her why she came back and she changed the subject again. Instead of asking him how he is, how are you? Like, how are you? And he kind of goes into how he lost everything because he messed up. You know, he at one point, you know, doing startups, investments, had all the money. Now he like lost everything. And now it's like he has no prospects. He has no purpose in life. Like, what is he going to do? Just go to work. It's just like I wake up, I breathe, I live. And he mentioned that he shouldn't even be alive. Like he like the car accident should have taken his life. Instead, it took some other girl's life. And now he is alive. He's living with the guilt of that and having to deal with the repercussions of that. And that there's nothing in his life. It's like, what is he going to do? He's going to go home. He's going to eat dinner. And then like what? Prepare for the story, the storm. Just and wake up the next day. And she's like, yes, that's what you do. Just take it a day at a time, which is good advice. Cut to the everybody in town doing storm prep. You know, you have the sheriff and Joe getting the docks taken care of. You have uh, Riley family putting big plywood things over their sliding glass door. Uh, storms coming in. You're seeing cuts of the rain and kind of the, the water's level rising. You're seeing, you know, windmills spinning faster, rain falling. You got... You got Father Hill reading a Bible as the electricity cuts out. You see Miss Gunn freaking out. What's going on? What's going on? In her old age makeup. And her daughter calming her down. Cut to Riley looking out the window again from his bedroom. And he sees, as lightning strikes, he sees somebody outside in the rain. And he sees, it's, thinks it's Mr. Pruitt. Goes out and... And, you know, the whole family, they can't see it. They don't, they don't see it. So Riley goes outside and tries to chase him down, running after this guy he thinks is an 80-year-old senile priest. Can't catch up to him. He disappears. Wake up the next day. They're trying to call to confirm to see if Monsignor Pruitt is back. But the phones are dead. So they're like, we'll check the rectory on our way. We got to go do this other stuff anyway. They go outside. Everything's like trashed from the storm. And you see all these seagulls by their house on the backside of their house. And they go. And you see the, the beach front, which we heard Warren say earlier that everything from the uppers gets washed up after a storm. Everything from the uppers gets washed up on the west bank where they live. And he has to clean it up. And we see what washed up from the uppers. And it is just a beach covered in dead cats. So all these dead cats from the uppers are being picked apart by the seagulls. So he's adding another little mystery to what happened to all these cats. How did they all just die? But that's how the, the episode ends. So of course the mysteries, what was in the chest... Somebody was in the chest. Was it Mr. Pruitt? What happened to Mr. Pruitt? He was able to outrun Riley, who was a young dude, 
Mr. Pruitt's an 80-year-old, senile old man. So what happened to Mr. Pruitt? What happened to the cats? What's going on at the Uppards? What was that large albatross? Was that Mr. Pruitt? What's up with the old age makeup? This is an unintentional mystery. I'm sure we're going to find out. And it will make a lot of sense. Uh, it's very strange just the the comparisons of comparing the population of the island to the fish, uh, comparing the island to a crock pot or a pinata, how the, the population's been beat by a very nasty stick, but both comparisons are an edible item. We have the little foot. How did that change your life? Was it just a turn of phrase, or does it mean something more? Uh, and also just the racism that's sprinkled in. Does that have anything to do with it? Or is that just to give some reality to how a religious community would treat somebody who's different? Uh, either way, it's an interesting setup. Doesn't really get into anything. It just kind of heightens the anticipation for things. So we will see what happens in book two uh, next week. Uh, but a solid start to the show. I am very intrigued. Book two is Psalms, uh, which will be next Tuesday, uh, directed by Mike Flanagan. Again, I think he directs all of all seven episodes. Yes, he did. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next episode on Crockett Island in Midnight Mass. New episodes of The Ray Taylor Show come out every single day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere our podcasts are found. Binge the full week over at InspiredDisorder.com slash plus. Buy Ray Taylor Show merch over at InspiredDisorder.com. And follow the show on Instagram at Ray Taylor Show. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Peace. Ouch! Today is the day where you wake up and you realize that everything that you've been dreaming about, everything that you've been wanting, every goal and wish and hope that you've ever had can become real. Dreams can come true. What you manifest in your mind, you can bring to reality.